Welcome to Fargo Talks Fargo, a podcast on the FX television series. I'm Bill, and I'm here with my buddy Sharpie. What up, Sharpie? Hey now. We are, if you haven't figured it out, after four <laughs> seasons, and uh, this is being the 11th episode or our 22nd episode of this podcast this season. How many total, Bill? This will be, I think this will be 91 total we recorded over the course of, because we did some pre-episodes back in the day. Oh, right, right, Plus, right. We, we've had special one-offs. We've talked to Julianne Emery. We've talked to Tom Musgrave. Uh, Mag, we've talked to Maggie Phillips, the music supervisor, twice. We've talked to uh, Jeff Russo once, all on his own, and another time he kind of just randomly joined in our Skype with Maggie. I'm trying to think, is there anyone else? No, I don't think so. Maybe. So stay tuned. Keep subscribed and keep an eye out. We'll, if we get somebody to get back to us, you know, when some of these people are busy, but... Who's Gee busy? dang it. Gee dang it. We're at the end. I can't believe we're on 20-some episodes this season already. Where yeah. has the time gone? Yeah, you've wasted a lot, a lot of time with us, you guys. You guys and gals and non-binary pals, and if you I should could just say, hold so. in there for one more episode, that would be so great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Actually, I don't care. You already talked about it. We got our yeah. numbers. Yeah, we got our numbers, you guys, for yeah. our... Thanks no to all sponsors. our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> you were thinking, I was going to say, I've been, I feel like for the most part, I've been drinking a lot of uh, Weller, uh, original weeded bourbon, and today I broke out the Antique 107 for this episode, special bottle, a little special. And then I've been sponsored also by uh, Canada Dry, Diet Ginger Ale, uh, and I know you've been drinking your fizzy water. So, you know, we got, we got our own I've sponsors. I've got fizzy water. I've got uh, Soda Stream. I've also... Nailed it. Are we just doing free plugs? I've also... I'm yeah, thinking- I think so. This is like, hopefully somebody will send us something after they find out how huge we are. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i also drinking coffee at nine o'clock at night because I have so much work to do later. Uh, yes, please, coffee. I'm subscribed. Mm, I Oh, I know where you got that subscription. You, you could, yes, you do. <laughs> you got that off during Fireball. Yes, I you? did. I even mm. I used I used my coupon code. You know what? As long as you know what for for tech nerds out there that don't know Sharpie and I love tech. Shar- Sharpie, wait till you see what are on my feet. We're boring them already. Look at that. Yeah, totally. Look, are. look, look what I'm wearing on my feet right now. Are they Mahabas? No, these are Mac Weldon slippers, dude. Oh. <laughs> well, Mahabas is the other one. If that's how you say yeah. it, I bought yeah. those slippers and they stink. Literally, these, they smell oh, so no. bad. They smell. They smelled like a wetsuit immediately, well, and now they smell like a a sock in a wetsuit <laughs> combined. Well, then go to go to MacWeldon.com and get yourself a nice pair of house slippers. They don't stink. Because I need some new ones. They're great so far. Loving them. Okay, let's talk about Storia Americana and Fargo. It's over. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode <laughs> of Fargo Talks Fargo. Everybody died. The end. Everybody's dead. So we kick off this episode with a little bit of a montage, uh, a tribute. Mm -hmm. This was just a tribute, this episode. (laughs) This is the greatest and best song in the world. Tribute. (laughs) This This was the Oscars in memoriam section. Yeah. Right? Right. Yep. Uh, greatest, great performances. Uh, who? Uh, wait. So, who was your favorite? What was your favorite performance of the season? Oi. You know, that's a 
That's a tough call. Man, I did not know you were going to ask me that. <laughs> um, I think I feel torn a little bit between... Oh, man, that's a long pause for me. I'm so sorry. I'm going to uh, go with... Rabbi Milligan, maybe? Nah. No? I don't know. See, I already don't like it. I already uh, my don't like fav- my, the, Okay, crowd favorite, crowd being me, is <laughs> Gaetano. <laughs> <laughs> you liked you because liked the over the top. I loved the way he talked, and I love his little quips and quirks. Um, but I will say that as much as I didn't like Jason Schwartzman playing uh, Jason Schwartzman as a gangster, right? Um, because it, he just seemed like the same character that he always plays. I did end up liking it up and at the very end. I was like, you know what? That really came around. <laughs> Isn't that why you hire Jason Schwartzman, though? I guess so. I don't know. I'm sure he's very professional. I think, you know, now that I think about it, even though he wasn't with us long enough, I, I'm i going to go with Glenn Turman as Dr. Senator, just because I cannot abandon my deep love of The Wire. Wait, so you're giving him a performance award for his performance in another series? It just, it's so good in the other series, it carries right into this one. That is bullshit. <laughs> I actually, he's, he's probably the character that every episode he wasn't in it, I was, I was continually bummed. And I think that speaks vol- to me. It's true. For him in this series. I, I wanted him to stay there. I wanted him in, in Loy Cannon's ear more. But as, as just part of the, you know, <laughs> agents of chaos working their way through this show, it, he, he unfortunately had to go. Mm, I did so miss him. I I think that was great too. I mean, there was quite a few. Uh, uh Angie White as Debrell. I thought she was super strong. I don't know if I'm completely convinced uh, in Chris Rock's performance. Love Chris Rock. Uh, I just not so sure. Uh, I'm with you there. I just couldn't buy it the whole time. Yeah, and I don't know if he could have sold it. I just don't think some. You can be a great actor, but sometimes if you don't got it, you don't got it. Like, yeah, and that could be a mean thing to say. But and who know? I mean, I guess I'm also not saying necessarily that Chris Rock doesn't have it. I'm just saying I don't think he. I don't. I, I don't buy him as a gangster, especially a gangster boss. Well, clearly he's not anymore. Yeah. Okay. I guess he did it well then. The unending wave took him. Well, no, actually, it was just one lady. One one pissed off lady. Well, I do love Chris Rock though, and I know he listens to the show. So yeah, let us know who let us know who your favorite people were. Feel free to add us. We'll still we still answer the the Twitter and the email after this all wraps up. You know, although it gets pretty dark for us, we do get random emails just because some people will discover the show so much later because the shows live on and the podcast lives whether we're recording or not. So Sharpie, yeah, did you? I, I was trying to figure out what the, there was obviously some device intact, or maybe it was just, that's just part of Kansas City, but the train horn blowing in the beginning, mm-hmm. showing the dead people, mm-hmm. and then, you know, or our memoriam, <laughs> in memoriam, and then did you notice the train horn blew again when they were taking away Josto? And I couldn't, I didn't catch if, I didn't, I don't think it blew before Loy, but I just thought that was, hmm. It, you know, either somebody in the sound design was like, nah, let's just put a train here, but it seemed pretty telling. It could have been. Sound designers love to do that stuff. They also yeah. love the sound of cigarettes burning. 
Um, they that, that they do. I've never heard it. I you know I used to smoke and I still couldn't tell you if it really sounds yeah, like that. That thing used to be right up in your face and you still didn't get that like ass. lovely burning sound every yeah. time you inhaled, right? Yeah. Um, it's fun though. That's that's only in the cinematic universe. Uh, mm-hmm. I did not notice the trains, although that is a very popular thing in the Midwest, as you know. Yeah. In Fargo, Fargo gets like a hundred trains passing through it a day. It's hard to believe. Yes. Like, what are a hundred trains doing every day? Keeping this world going, folks. Mm, oil, coal, cars. That's, that's it's how that's it's also it. the best. <laughs> it's also the best way to display your tag across country. Mm-hmm. If you're in graffiti art, uh, yes, and I can. You know how far south I live in Fargo, and I can hear the trains here, especially now. Now that it's fall and winter, I, I feel like we would be without if we don't like still just a little bit. It would continue down this road of the how are we sort of wrapping the Wizard of Oz, and we have in no way suggested that everybody's end has to be perfectly tied into it. It's just it's a layer on characters, right? That's right. That's, uh, I think, kind of what we've been sticking to the whole time is that uh, you've been pretty adamant about it, that yeah, this I'm isn't the jerk. a literal translation of The Wizard of Oz, no. and we've never said that, uh, but it is a layer that's weaved in and out of it. Um, and it plays into the whole uh, right up Yarlo, like, mul- multiples throughout. Two worlds. Two, two worlds. worlds. Two Two, there's two possible <laughs> reflections of the, of each character throughout the episode. I don't know. It's even our most an recent undeniable la- layer. Even our most recent tweet that somebody caught that you know the uh, episode eleven. <laughs> it's got two ones in it, which you jokingly said is palindrome. What you said is a, it's a number palindrome. <laughs> eleven is a palindrome. Is a pa- number which, palindrome, which is the last time we saw Mike Milligan in season two was episode ten palindrome. That's correct. Good old Mike Milligan. I wonder what's up with that guy. What do you think happens to him? I'm just kidding. We know he ends up behind a typewriter. Yeah, he's right. Like, that hold desktop. that thought. Let's, let's okay. talk. I, I want to talk about that a little bit, actually. Let, let's come back to that later. I want to talk about um, one of the first scenes. So we're past the montage. We all get it. Yep. Um, this scene where Loy and Ebel are sitting in a park. I want sure. to talk about that a little bit because... Okay. I love how this was shot. I think it played into the theme of the episode. Uh, speaking of like an endless wave of men, I right. when you're far away from these guys, I love how they shot it. Like where they look just tiny. They look like ants. They are like Loy and Ebel are super insignificant, almost to the point where you can't even tell who they are. Uh, it's so far away, and I, I'm. I'm Tell me if this is part of what you're thinking. I, and it's also like, it's they're in a playground. Like, it's kind of a game. You know? Yep. Idiot yep. man at play in Totally. Crime. Totally. Um, but a lot of these shots really, uh, whoever did this, I think, did a swell job. Because in most of the shots, they just look like these two insignificant people in this giant world, mm-hmm. in this giant game, this big world of gangsters where, you know, in... In reality, they mean nothing. But then when the camera moves in up close, they shoot it from down low, like below their eye level. So they look really powerful. So when you're up next to them, they seem bigger than life, bigger than ever. They when you're when you're near them, they're like Mm -hmm. it's almost like the credit card thing. It's like they're acting like they're powerful. They're pretending to be powerful. They're putting on this facade that they're powerful when they're next to you. But the reality Mm -hmm. is you back out and they're just tiny insignificant cogs in this 
machine of organized crime. Yeah. And then it's, you're right though. It is like smashed up. Even there's this one, I, I almost was like, did that get cut in and overlaid? The one where Opal is smoking. Yeah. You know, they show, they show Bulo smoking and then they cut to an even tighter. It's very clear that Joe is kind of looking over at Opal and then they cut to him smoking. And, and what's funny so, is they're all, they're all smoking simult, like almost like it's creep, like Opal's cigarette to his mouth is almost the same as Ebel's. Mm-hmm. And they're using a split diopter for that, uh, which they've used. Well, that's in that's the what past. I was going to ask you about. Okay, yeah. so that's what that was. Yeah, we've talked about this before. It, it's kind of becoming sort of a little token in this world. Um, split diopter is used to focus on something way off in the distance, but also something really close. It's actually like uh, it's, it's like simultaneously looking through your bifocals if you were able to focus both of them simultaneously. Exactly. Maybe. Yeah. It's yeah, a piece yeah. you put on the lens where one piece of the lens can focus close, one focus focuses far away. We saw this. The last I remember seeing this, I bet it's been in every season, but the last I remember was season two. I think we saw it uh, in the cabin when Peggy had Dodd tied up. Dodd was in oh, the distance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Peggy was up right. close. Her face was in focus, and Dodd was tied up in that cabin where Peggy and uh, what's his name? Jesse Plemons' character right. uh, were keeping him captive, and they actually called Mike God. Milligan from a payphone near there. And oh when they gosh. said, hey, we've yeah, got Mike yeah, Milligan yeah. in our trunk, or we've got Dodd in our trunk. Uh, we'll yeah. get to that later, but then Meg Melvin's want, like, "Ooh, cool." You um, want, uh, you, uh, you want, you, you, you want a Gerhard? <laughs> hey, uh, Gotta, I heard you looking for some uh, Gerhard. Get you you, I'll get you, I'll get you a Gerhard. Need Gerhard. Bank powder. Um, but the split diopter diopter was used in that. I think it may have been used in Fargo as well. The movie, I, mm. I can't recall the exact scene, but I believe it was used in that. But it's also a signature move of Brian De Palma. And we saw a nod to Brian De Palma's Untouchables in the train station massacre. Yeah. The, so, union, the union station scenes. Yeah. So that was a big, big deal for him. Signature kind of move that he has. Um, so split die after. That's what that is. I don't personally love the look. I don't get it's, it. It's so jarring. It's jarring. It, not in a terrible way. It just takes you a minute to, to try to decide if it's, if it's an overlay. Do you know what I mean? Like, if it's just like one of those, right. you know, the, you know, it's the senior photo with the other <laughs> senior, you know, the yeah. big picture of you <laughs> from the 70s, 80s. Like a double exposure almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's why I was like, that's why I had to, I, it's funny you brought it up because I backed up, but. Some, sometimes people, or sometimes when this is done, uh, you can do it really well in the sense where you can hide the like seam where it obviously splits from one type of lens to the next type of lens. Uh, I, the very first time this was used was around 1940, a film called uh, The Long Voyage. And they actually framed it so that you couldn't really see where that fade was, which was really smart. But wow. sometimes it's just like it was in this where it's very obviously it's just like it looks like two images well, just like, it was just well it was the toughest part was that that at that distance right that you yep. talked about where you see the two kind of quote unquote bosses at the time talking and then when you're up close with opal there's just too much bokeh going on there for you That's to right. not notice that line the only thing that lends itself well if you go back and look at this if you're nerding out with us is is that they've got all the foliage there so at least it's not like 
something super harsh. It's, you know. Yeah, that's right. At that distance, it's really hard to make it look natural. Maybe you could put a tree in there or something, but, and maybe that's not what they were going for and they didn't matter. Yeah. You'll probably remember that being used in Reservoir Dogs as well when the guy, Mm. uh, Tim Roth, has his ear cut off and he's hanging on the floor. Whoa, whoa, wrong franchise. We're not into the Tarantino shit, man. Oh, no. Tarantino does use it all the time. This is the Coens. Don't make well, me call whatever. the wolf. Um, I want to point you if you if for some reason you have this pulled up, can you can you rip it out to two twenty? I just want you to look at one thing, and then I'm not going to say another word. I'm just going to tell you about it. It's uh, in the middle of this montage where we see Josto's temper tantrum, right? Okay, so we come from Opal smoking the cigarette to Josto smoking the cigarette. Yeah, yeah, everybody smokes. Mm. Which we've already talked about. I just it's killing me. Okay, um, so two twenty. Yep, I'm there. Two twenty. See, he's. I. I. Of course, you know me. I got caught up in this painting in the very sure. beginning, and I was googling it, trying to figure out what the painting was, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm done with this. I'm not going to keep googling this. I'm only two two minutes and twenty seconds in, <laughs> and and I mean, and I had some stuff come up tonight that put me even more behind. So I was already just trying to make our deadline to talk tonight, and I'm like, "Okay, Bill, get your shit together. <laughs> just move on, dirtbag." So, just remember that. We'll come back to this. Oh, you're, you're putting another pin in it. I just want to pin it in, because I, I do kind of want to go in order that we... Okay. I feel like this whole front end is a certain amount of homecomings and just desserts kind of thing, you know? Um, literally, there's mm. no place like home. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sticking to it, where the Smutneys get their house back. Yep. We... We see little Zero, who played almost no part in this, but it's still, he's part of this problem. He's in the backseat of the car, finally going home. But crazy thing that I never thought of last night is, who's he going home to? Wait, are you talking about Zero? Zero. Yeah. You who's he going home to? Oh. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Well, this, so yeah, is, He's in yeah, the backseat of Zero. What, Where's that kid going? what was with Zero? It looked like he almost had like a raccoon tail. He did. He had a coonskin cap on is what he was doing because he's been on an adventure. Okay. I could see the tail. I couldn't see the top of his hat. I guess it just blended in with I, his curly hair. I liked the feeling of that, that it was even, even in the death of his child, he, he could have said, nope, we're keeping this kid. But Loy wanted an end to that section. You know, I feel like that's what the intention there was. But homecomings and desserts, that's pretty good, Bill. Well, when it, you know what I mean? Like, it, even with, well, now we gun down happy because that's got to happen, you know? Mm. And then, you know, everybody's getting their, you know, and then, and then there's some people who think they're going to get it, right? Um, Leon, happy's cousin, thinks he's going to get the one up. Mm-hmm. Nope, he's toast. You keep going through all of this. It's it's a it's a whole bunch of that. Eventually, Orietta gets it. Josto gets it. Loy all, gets it. All these people who thought they were in powerful positions, who thought they were in charge of their own destiny. Yes. Well, and well, and even earlier. Sorry, we skipped. Doctor Harvard gets it. Mm-hmm. The Alderman Milvin. gets it. Milvin, thank you. Milvin gets it. I don't know. Milvin shot right. right in the face. Yeah. Kind of. Well, they both were shot right in the face, which is sort of yeah. a godfather thing. 
There was or a lot of, if we're talking Tarantino. Oh wait, <laughs> do you think in during it he literally said, "Oh shit, I shot Milvin in the face"? Because <laughs> it's I shot Marvin in the face is the line for Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Marvin, what do you make of all this? Man, I don't even have an opinion. Well, you gotta have an opinion. I mean, do you think that God came down from heaven and stopped? Oh, what the fuck's happening? Oh, oh man. Shit. Oh man, I shot Marvin in the face. Why the fuck did you do that? I was, oh shit, I, I shot Milvin in the face. I was thinking about Pulp Fiction when Joe Bulo was waving that gun around while Orietta and Josta were fighting. Yeah. In the backseat of that car. Ooh, little boy. Yeah, that's a good way to get shot. Um, And oh, by the way, everybody who sent us notes about sent us notes about uh, the the roses and the machine gun. Everybody's note was, Terminator, man. Yes, of course. <laughs> I'm sure there might be some other scene that it's from, but I just love that the best references that came back to us was Terminator, and I yep. love that. I'm sticking yep. with it. I don't care. I knew totally... I'd seen that before, and yes, you're probably right. I've probably yes. seen it a dozen times, yeah. uh, but Terminator is definitely what, what was in my mind. Not really. It was on the tip of my mind. But when, when yeah. we got that feedback, I was like, yes, thank you. That's why we have listeners. <laughs> um, do you want to talk a little bit about the whole, the, 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 the rundown of Josto getting kind of this whole spiel from, from the, new, the new world age? Because I think this is the most important takeaway from this for me was that it's the old world of gangsters was family it's you know it's like royalty it's passed down through lineage and some sort of shit and now here he is stepping in to end a family thing and the business is the family mm-hmm. and i think this is going to come back more and more because it's a new world it's a new kansas city and when we if you go back and watch the opening of like season two they're literally in a room giving a slide presentation to hamish and all of them are, and Joe Bulo's in that room, and it's like, it's totally corporate gangster. Yeah. Which, to me, is like, kind of a statement about, like, the way, you know, certain parts of corporate America are robbing us as well. Yeah, they're gangster, totally. So I just thought, that, to me, was the bigger takeaway than, like, oh no, how did the, how, how did this story work? Who, who told her what, that they got her there, Orietta, to do all this stuff? Mm-hmm. It was still fun, still watching her squirm and her little wave. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> hey, honey. Yeah, that was a pretty fun little ending to them. I mean, look, we all knew they were both going to get theirs, you know, from probably episode one. You had to know Josto, and she, neither of them would make it out. It alive, almost right? surprised me It they survived up until the last episode. That was mm-hmm. the... That was uh, something unexpected um, from my take. I would have thought that, you know, the Schwartzman character was gone halfway through. But you know what? I also thought that for Ted Danson's character in season two, I was like, it's Ted Danson. You know what? He's probably going to be gone after a few episodes and I'm going to be sad. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't. He stuck it out. It's, mm-hmm. the, uh, it's the characters from Bored to Death. They live till the end. Um. You know, my joke I made the other night, I think I said it's funny that they're like, we got, we, but there was the times in our house. He's like, two times. And I was like, of course. I was like, two, baby. Another double up. Um, 
But yeah, I liked that's, when I, Josto set the car on fire with the two dudes that he just killed in it, uh, Milvin and Dr. Harvard. Second time we've seen a car on fire. I said, but I wondered whose car was that? It was too. It was so nice. It was Doctor Harvard's, wasn't it? And I was like, dang, man. When he first, uh, when they well, first no. showed it, it, had a bunch of bullet holes, and I was like, come on, couldn't you just like walk him out to the field and keep the car? Wait, I'm. I feel like then I'm catching something random. So he walks up to the car. Oh, it's a different. Wait, here's what I don't get. He goes to put his keys in his car. He says. Hey, Dr. Fucko. He smacks him, and then they cut to a scene of him being thrown in the back of the car, and the alderman's already in the back seat. Yeah, so it's he's like, already in there. So wait, why was Dr. Harvard going to a car with a man in the, who was already in his back seat? I think... Did we just find a continuity error? No, I think Josto beat up... Josto beat up Melvin, threw him in Dr. Harvard's car, and then waited for Dr. Harvard to come onto the car. Yeah, but he's like sitting up in the car when he throws him in there. Like, you don't think if you were approaching your car, you wouldn't notice a full-grown man in a in a whitey tidy shirt and suspenders bleeding in your back seat? You'd just be like, no, the murderess, the sheep and wolves. Actually, the that's sheep happened and wolves to me multiple oh, times. Okay. Last time, I was like, not again. How are you alive? Get out of here, you bloody old man! <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, get out of here, you stinker. <laughs> um. So here, here's the other place. I just kind of because I'm I'm playing with this painting just for a minute, just in okay. finishing because I want to wrap up. Go to 10:07. Everybody at home, go to 10:07. If you've been. <laughs> well, basically, if you look at the way, this is also just about how beautifully shot I feel. It. You know, say what you want about the writing of the show this season or the fact that it was pretty thick and heavy with too much plot and characters. But the one constant in Fargo, season one, two, three, and four, is that it is shot so well, in my opinion. So if you look at this scene, look at where, literally look at the, the lights and the symmetry in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then even where the, like, the pool table lights are and the distance, like look at where Josto is. And if you removed Ebel and the whole crew, right, behind him, he and Orietta are like perfectly spaced apart from each other, almost perfectly. Mm-hmm. And what is lit between them? That painting. Mm-hmm. And I get it. People are like, well, it's because there's a light on the painting. People did that. Fuck it. I'm just going to go there. I, so it was bothering me. Okay. So, so they take them out to the field. We'll talk about the rest of their death, but go look at them both in the hole. First, they shoot Josto and he falls in there and his arm is out and his one leg is bent back like he's riding something and then when she goes in the hole her legs are exactly the same position as his his arm is out hers is back and it's as if they're dancing together like in the painting and she's wearing red if you Mm -hmm. and the painting the one person is in kind of a pink and the other person is in a lighter color and look at them it's just like the painting very similar I'm looking, I'm looking. Sorry, I'm looking. 19, 1941, if you want to get there. Um, yeah, it's definitely like they're dancing. It's not quite like the painting. But, but yeah, but I'm just, my point is, look at their legs. <laughs> but they're definitely doing a horizontal poker there, if you know what I'm saying. No, uh, they're definitely dancing. Um, and you know what, we've seen this as a theme Elsewhere yeah, yeah. on the show, we've seen yeah, it, these... uh, a couple knit dancing knit on Ethel Rita's sweater. I, I believe I was I wanted to go back and see what that looked like, but I mean, bottom line is it's still that they're still in this little weird thing together. 
and we we didn't if we're gonna skip ahead to that which i'm fine with you know so they take jost away he's got to piss and all that and we still don't know why he's we just assume he's got diabetes i'm gonna piss um i'm still really st- stuck on your um the roach snowman okay what did you did you think more about that no, but I did recall. I guess I did think more about it technically. Then uh, <laughs> I did. I did uh, in a dream actually come to me. Come to me where I remembered there being a roach in season two, and so I looked it up, and sure enough, uh, back to that scene I mentioned earlier with the split diopter. So that's an interesting. Um, similarity is that when Peggy is with Dodd in that cabin, Peggy's trying to get the TV to work, and there's a big roach on the TV, like on the screen, <laughs> being broadcast. Uh, so there's your, there's our second roach. Um, mm-hmm. But in the hot dish, I had mentioned that you know perhaps the roach has attached himself because there was this talk from Debrell of maybe like he's attached to the family and he's like attached him to them. Yeah, and he likes sunshine like, constantly. Yeah, he likes happy times and he comes around when people are happy, so he can ruin their life. Um, but my thought was maybe he had saw the evil in Orietta and attached himself to her, and now the family is free of the snowman Papa Roach curse. I'm still, I guess, on that theory. I have nothing else to go off of, really. Um, I I don't know if she sees him now. We don't technically know if she saw him the first time. Yeah. I don't think she did. I feel like she felt him. Otherwise, she would have. But but what I found interesting is that, you know, I know older car windows, the glass isn't perfect and there was imperfections, but there's just such a weird, if you pause it at just the right place, it's like his head is tilted in and hers is one way. And then as she straightens up, they slightly separate and her her face becomes a little less, uh, you know, distorted. But it's, I don't know, there's something crazy about it i mean and it's the ufo i mean we don't have to know everything but i'm just super curious as to how he ended up there with her when he's supposed to be haunting another family i'm i'm confused Mm -hmm. but not a lot of clarity there but we weren't expecting it either another mystery but the minute the minute she goes in the hole and as soon as that happens yeah the crows fly away what were you you were you were Mm -hmm. thinking of something yeah, so a few of the recaps that were published, I was wondering if perhaps those publications um, maybe got an early copy of the final episode, maybe, because not, they all mentioned that there was no reference to the snowman in the final episode. And I just don't think that it could be that um, everybody missed that reflection. I'm thinking that maybe that reflection was added in later. I saw... I think some people just missed it. Because it was mm. so fleeting, dude. It was only a second or so. And and I've also I also will say this. I sometimes wonder if people were just not watching as closely because I I feel like the moderate consensus of a certain amount of writers is that they don't like the show. They didn't Absolutely. like this season. And and that's okay. That's their prerogative. I, I don't think this is the best season of Fargo either. We can talk about that later. But I'm still trying to do the job that we're supposed to do rather than, you know, I don't feel like our job is to I mean, here's the deal. If you go, this is the part I don't get, between like critique writing stuff, like sure, point out some things, but man, I just felt like some of it was just dogpiling this year. It's like, well, people don't tune into your reviews 
to have you tell them how much you don't like the show. They, mm-hmm. They're there because they seem to like the show. And if they continue watching, I mean, I, I guess unless they're into... Maybe they're like Josto. They like to be punished a little. So, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they everybody like has rough. to only write nice stuff. I just mean, say your piece, t- talk about the things, but it's just that it felt like some of the stuff I did read today was like they just couldn't not get a jab in here and there. But sure. that's, that's 2020. And I don't I mean 2020 in terms of... I don't, <laughs> yeah, we are to some degree. But I, I also I feel like we've tried our best to just talk about the show that's happening, not how much I love it or hate it or think it's better or worse than another season. I just want to talk about the show we're watching. That's, I don't know. It doesn't seem that complicated, but who knows? There's, the good news is there's lots out there for everybody. That's right. There was also that line, uh, the you don't have to do this, which was a total pull from, well, it's a pull from like every, I mean, how many movies have you heard that people say, you don't have to do this, but there is a line, it's in No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. So congratulations, another Cohen thing. Um, <laughs> funny line, though, made me think of Monty Python, I forgot to mention, when they're like, you poisoned your boss or whatever, and she's like, well, he got better. I thought, well, she turned me into, she turned me into a newt. You know, like, I'll go better. I thought that was kind of nice. It felt very good fellas to me, too, watching those people go out in that field like that. I was like, oh, shit, where's Pesci? Wasn't that how they killed Joe Pesci in Goodfellas? Oh, Jesus, I almost spilled the bourbon. Bill, 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 Billy, Billy, Billy. I don't remember. There's a lot of definitely uh, a, a lot of gangster movie references. Yes. And... Yeah, we can talk about that a little bit I, later, too. I, yeah, we will. I think the best line from this, outside of the funny, Orietta wanting to watch him get killed, is funny and awkward and creepy all at once. One thing I loved about that is when she asked that, yes, funny and awkward, and that I love that Joe Bulu ha- did not hesitate one bit to just shoot Josto right in the face. Um, that was... Very entertaining to me, and, and I like, love it because it what? gives it gave nobody time to prepare. Not even the audience, not Josto, not Orietta. Um, yeah, the, the two the two grave diggers, but they they didn't seem to be faced by anything. A couple of good characters there, um, <laughs> but yeah, it totally. I watched this with my girlfriend Audrey, and we were both like shocked when that happened. Even though you know you yeah. shouldn't be shocked anytime somebody dies in the Fargo TV series. But we were like, oh, my God, that was totally unexpected. I was waiting for him to beg for his life. We there didn't was, get you, it. He's just gone. <laughs> well, I, I, I think the part of that that's funny is that it's, I think in two, two people are, are getting a total shut up this episode in a way, like just, just a shut up. Like, hey, what? He just, all he says is what? And he's dead. And and same with even the way Loy went out after all the speeches he gave the season, his, his son is there to watch him die and he doesn't say any, he can't say anything. Mm-hmm. He's, take my breath away. Do do wait. That's Top Gun. Boom boom. Um, boom boom boom. I don't know. I don't know, man. I what was? I mean, as she's chaos, she's all sorts of stuff. But I still think if we're gonna wizard her, I still think yeah, she's is wizard a verb now for us in our universe. <laughs> if we're gonna wizard her, wizard. I was just saying. I don't know what she was. I think she's. She's something and involved. I don't know. Maybe she's one of the flying monkeys. She's just a dangerous person, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe she's witchy in some ways because she was 
you know, opposed at, in opposing North buildings across the street from Etherita. You know, some people have, I've, I've gotten emails where people think Etherita might've been the wizard, but I'm mm-hmm. still sticking with the, the world is the wizard. It's because even behind, you know, so Ebel brought it up, but we can talk about that later, but you are, you wanted we to got talk a lot about, of stuff uh, to talk about later. You wanted to talk about <laughs> Satchel. Yeah. Later, which means never. Uh, you wanted to talk about Satchel. Um, yeah, well, I thought that was another surprise. Um, not quite the same as Jocelyn getting shot in the face unexpectedly, um, but just the fact that we saw Satchel come home. I wasn't expecting that. I thought that maybe Satchel would have been uh, pissed off about getting traded. Maybe he had been, he's gotten so detached from his family on his little excursion. Maybe he's in this new world now that he would just be on the road Raising himself, becoming his own man. I was not expecting him to Goldilocks into his own house. Yeah. You do feel, I feel like that was a very Goldilocks thing the way it was set up, right? Definitely. I mean, you mentioned it in the hot dish. There's three beds in the room, even, which is awesome. He tried yeah. the porridge. Uh, yeah. He left his cereal out. There's clothes. He, he clearly was, he busted into the house like a good old Goldilocks. Yeah, Except. I don't know. Do we know the end of this story? And you know, because what was it they said in East West? Was it? That there's no ending, really. There's no ending, or this it's not satisfying. <laughs> I was like, okay, because yeah, all right, because the bears get their revenge, right? They kick out Goldilocks into the woods, but then what's the ending for Goldilocks? I mean, that's a movie right there. Well, I think start that's why with I... her getting kicked out. <laughs> the well, isn't isn't that what you? I feel like you were on the path with me, and it, surprised to see. Mm-hmm satchel back is that i thought maybe we wouldn't see him as well i thought that was the ending we were going to wonder what happened to little goldilocks slash dorothy slash whatever you want to call mike before he became mike yeah you know what i think maybe it is and i'm just thinking off the top of my head here maybe it really isn't his house maybe that's the goldilocks thing because he came in you know he's trying he's trying the porridge he's trying the beds and it doesn't really feel like (sighs) it's his home because, you know, he watched his father die and had zero emotion. He might not Ooh, feel like this Sharpie. is his home anymore. I like that. I, you know what? I want to take that. I want to put my stamp approval on that as if you need my approval. Thank you. Mm, I like that. I like that. T- I do. I really like that take that he, it's the, yeah, he's just trying things out because, right? He and Rabbi had the whole conversation when this is all over. You can come with me if, or you can go to them or you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Because clearly, well, I mean, for him to be Mike Milligan, he has to go to KC. Yeah, and he works for Joe Bulo or with Joe Bulo. I like that. And we see him already studying up how to win friends and influence people. Yep. So that's Plus, I think win it's over the kitchen, bros. It has to be there for us to have the massive letdown. Because if. How would we feel the holy shit of Loy being stabbed by Zelmer if we hadn't seen his pure joy and elation? Like, we saw him get everything he thought he deserved. You know, because in his mind, Josto's gone. They're making a good deal. He thinks they're making a good deal, right? He's, cl- mm-hmm. he's cl- well, Josto said it. Where's this, la- this ladder? It's a ladder to nowhere. You think you're climbing it, you know, or the turtle, whatever. I mean, there's been a million mm-hmm. references to this. Not a million, like four. Where Yeah, where are you going? And you think you're up, and then all of a sudden, you don't know. And the world this changes. Is America. 
This is this is the ever changing wave of the America man behind the America is a man ladder and there's nowhere to go. Just kidding. Oh. That's a totally crappy thing to say. Give up, kids. <laughs> Don't go to college. So, no, I. Yeah. I mean, I I think that is an interesting, you know, because that you're right. We and I also thought that was that's also where we saw leading into it. We saw the bus that I still think is the representation sort of of something very Wizard of Oz. It's also just the color of buses, but it's fun. I'm sticking in, with it. In Satchel's room, there is a little toy Ferris wheel on the yeah, dresser. I saw, that. I saw that. This is obviously, obviously, Bill, a reference to what? The ups and downs of life? And nope. Paris the- loves a Ferris wheel? Nope. What am I, I missing? Thought, I thought you were going to be with me on that one. Oh, what it's tell very me. I, clearly a reference to the Ferris wheel in Shields Sporting Goods in Fargo, <laughs> North Dakota. <laughs> you know, I think they're putting those Ferris wheels in all sorts of stores. So, but yes, I thought, that's, I never thought of that. I'm sorry. Thought, this episode, I thought Fargo was by, the only one that had a Ferris wheel. I think they might have more than one now. But <laughs> <laughs> wow, I thought you were going to tell me some like life-altering moment in this show that I missed. Nope. Nope. He does have his little red cowboy hat by the side of the bed if he was Woody from Toy Story. I did think of Woody from Toy Story when I saw that immediately. Yeah, that's us. That's just our um, age. But uh, that was a um who's the big who was the big like popular western gunslinger in the 50s? John uh, Wayne? Uh nope, not John Wayne, but a different guy. Well, that uh, narrows it down. <laughs> from um <laughs> We're not old enough. The Lone Ranger. I don't know. That's probably too far back. What was that last Tarantino movie with the Holly about? Uh... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Oh shoot! Ah, now you're you're stretching. Me Doesn't here. matter. Doesn't matter. Continue Doesn't matter. the show. Carry Nobody on. cares. Nobody. Cares. Nobody wants oh, to hear God. us ponder. Nope. Okay. Flash. 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 And yeah, there was a big, uh, big old crate of oranges there as we move through these scenes into the montage and. Somebody mm. caught that that Western Union or Western Auto sign. Somebody sent me a note saying that didn't go up until 1952. I just think it's a oversight. What did you think of this whole scene where Loy basically has his the rug or the turtle? All his, you know, he thinks he's on top of the turtles and he finds out he's not. Well, I think his downfall is just the fact that he's in this game that's larger than him. So when Evel took over the Fada family business, he basically took all of Loy's business away, mm-hmm. um, which is just kind of this, you know, maybe it's a parallel to the, the white man keeping the black man down in America. I don't know. Um, but Loy's getting played by pretty much everybody. He was pretending to be a big gangster this whole time. He, d- he wasn't really a gangster. He was acting like he was a gangster. He was making people think he was a gangster. That's what it was about. He got played by Ethel Rita. Ethel Rita planned that whole thing out, I think. You think so? I think she used Loy to take down the Fadas, or at least screw them up, to take down um, the Fada brothers, I guess I should say. Um, and then she turned it around and used her knowledge of Swanee and Zelmar and got revenge 
for so do you okay so if we're gonna skip a little bit ahead i'll come back to loy in a minute here do you think that she orchestrated enough that she told got a hold of zelmer yep wow that makes ethelita a lot more uh a lot more wizardy. <laughs> Not even wizardy, just like as a character. That's darker. Like, you know, she it's one a- thing to orchestrate. It's one thing to be smart and orchestrate getting your family, you know, just being like, hey, here's some troublesome people I want to tell you about, Loy. Uh, and, and in turn, for me helping you find this out, I want, I want this, my family to get out of this mix. But it's a whole other thing to then after that go. Plus, I'm going to go tell my aunt where, you, you know, where you are. Yeah, well, she had a good bond with her aunt, uh, and I think she wanted to help her aunt out a little bit, and she was always rooting for her. Um, you think she was she playing was up that a little bit of that whole, you know, when they were kind of like saying, well, no, we're outlaws. They were kind of the cowboys of this whole thing, you know, outlaw. Mm-hmm. They weren't criminals, they're outlaws kind of thing that has a more um, romanticized notion to it, you know. Yeah. The only thing gun- I don't really understand about the whole orchestration of that takedown is. I really wish that the Italian crew knew about the relationship between Josto and Orietta. I think that would have made that all a little bit more believable. The um, only people who knew about it, though, were Antoon, who was driving the car when they were there, and um, and what's his face, uh, Rabbi. Remember yeah. we? So I don't think anyone knew. Nobody knew, uh, and I think it would have been better ha- if they did know. And that they sure. knew that Orietta and Josto had this relationship and they were like fucking around and and right. maybe the Italian crew could be like, Hey, you gotta like what's the deal with this nurse? Like what what's going yeah. on there? You know, you gotta, kind of you thing. Gotta, you gotta but watch then, where you're parking your business, so to speak. Yeah, but then she came out of nowhere really, and they used the ring and Orietta's murder of Fada Fada. Yeah. To create this relationship that they didn't know existed, but they kind of created a relationship which we know right. existed, but they acted like they knew that it existed. Kind of, I don't know. Do you know what? Yeah, you, I'm not. I, I know verbal, what you're meaning. I'm not vocalizing it very well, but it's like well, it was. Nobody knew a, that relationship was going on. It would have been much more believable if they did. It's one of those bigger stretches for us in this episode because they don't tell us everything. We don't hear all the details of what you know. I mean, all we saw was Loy grinning. When he saw the ring in the photo, and we're like, oh shit, what did they plan? We don't know who suggested what, who planned what. Hell, we don't even know what, outside of in this scene prior to this, Loy talking to him and saying, whoa, this is less than half, this is like half of what I had. You know, so we don't even know what they did in the park, what they agreed to. For all we know, we don't know who orchestrated what. It's the unknown. But yes, I know what you, yeah. I know what you mean. But we don't know if that um like the idea of them being in a relationship and then Josto, you know, using her as an assassin to kill his father was but the relationship we don't know if the relationship was planted by Ethel Rita, we don't know if it was planted by Loy. But what we do know is the Italian crew didn't know of a relationship. And that would have been a little bit better. In my yeah. opinion. Anyway, well, continue. The thing that I was just going to bring up about this that feels just a teeny bit, you know, this scene between, excuse me, the scene between Loy and we've already talked about the man behind the man and all that jazz, Um, but it really does feel very corporate because I paused on it. I mean, and they, the only thing they left Loy with was um, they took everything from him for the most part. And the only thing that they left him with 
was this place, this area called Holmes Park. And on the piece of paper, the only thing he could have in Holmes Park was gambling, cat houses, narcotics, and the Stockyard Union. That's it. So even in that, as a very kind of, you know, because on the other side of the fence, everything was listed under New York City. So not Kansas, New York was the rest of the list, broken down by neighborhoods. But they had trucking and other kind of like moderate, legitimate feeling businesses. So I also thought this was a little bit of a statement just in that piece of paper about even in this crime, they push, they, they push the black people to these like kind of like, well, you can have narcotics and cat houses and, get, you know. But other than that, we don't want you to get any of these legit businesses. Yeah, know? this is sort of that big industry. Um, well, it's it's the it's the criminal world, Sharpie, even taking away his best idea for what he thought he had. It's the you know the credit card. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like this big mechanical industry monster that's kind of like right going like trampling over his little farmland. Yeah, and so interestingly enough, you know, we talk about. In the Wizard of Oz, there has been these push and pull plays, you know, about about the the books and the movies as a representation of the big city versus rural, and you know, mm-hmm. and there's all the other pieces that go with it, but it's overlaid. But I mean, this is clearly big business. You know, he said <laughs> crushing it's big business crushing the little man. All the mm-hmm. rest is New York, and it's little you know the pond situation, all of that. And what I thought was when I saw this is they really. I mean, I still can't, the way they took away his drink still bothered me, you know, like it was a solid, you know what, we're done here. You, you, there's no negotiation happening. You're just, you're done. Mm-hmm. This is all you get. But they, right after that, right, that right after that scene ends, he, he goes past Joe Bulo and we cut to like some split screens and what do we see? But it's a pan up of that, that Henry Renault. French painter, the execution without judgment under the Moorish kings, and they mm-hmm. pan up from the beheading, and I, all I could think was, he literally has just been beheaded. Mm-hmm. He's been, he's done. Like, so the, my question is, is, you know, who's the Moorish king? Right. You know, is it, he, I mean, is it him, or is it Orietta, you know, Orietta? Is it, is it Ebel, or is it, was it, yeah, was it the Smutney, the gals? Mm. Sure. I, I don't know. I'm not did gonna you pretend notice, to know. Did you notice uh, how the office is now decked out in like gladiator stuff? Yeah, chariots, two, gladiator paintings, two horses in the chariot, and yeah. So here we are at the uh, the ending scene. I couldn't help but notice that the the gals are engaged with each other, but didn't it just feel like even looking in that window that even though even though Buell is smiling, that that rabbit and um, and Satchel are just, they're in a different world. They're, they're surrounded by, I think this, your, your, your Goldilocks thing is totally hitting home for me now that I'm looking mm-hmm. at this because I'm realizing he, he, he looks so not at home, you know, like Buell's smiling, you know, good old Lemuel's back there improvising cause he's into bird and, uh, the, the gals are playing and he's just, he's reading how to win friends and influence people. I mean, yeah, that's that's a uh, that's you know just which because Hunk, such Hunk's a, told you to read it, <laughs> which is such a great origin story for Mike Milligan, a young kid growing up on his own, reading how to win friends and influence people. It's like a, mm-hmm. it's like the perfect beginning to Mike Milligan. Yeah, I t- I did catch one uh, reader comment. They're like, "Total screw up." The 
he's got a he's got a mute in his trumpet, but the trumpet we hear is not muted. And I'm like, oh god, that's the one of those things where it's like I noticed that, but I'm like, I don't. It's just I can't care that much about that one. That's just that's just the mm-hmm. that's the internet for you. Maybe but, he's uh, just maybe he's not even actually playing it. Maybe he's just fingering it, and they have a trumpet on the old controller. Yeah. Oh, he's faking it. Yeah, he's just do, he's just playing along to some bird. So how did you feel about this whole scene being very uh, Godfather outside of the fact that he died? Yeah, so you think the oranges are a reference to the Godfather. Yeah, I sent you that link where they show mm-hmm. all the oranges in the Godfather. I mean, Basically, it's very anytime, similar. Anytime you're dealing with oranges, you're about to get dead. Something's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's just even just the way they, the bag fell and they're all over the porch, you know, mm-hmm. at the end. Very Godfather. And I know some people are like, oh, don't mess with the Godfather. But it's like, it's not, it's just a little homage. No big deal. I do think it's so weird that he was very mesmerized by Zelmer. You know, like, plus no one heard Loy like thump into the window. But I guess, well, Lemuel's playing his jams. Yep. So nobody heard him over that uh, trumpet. Except, except uh, good old Satchel goes to the door and is like, hey, what happened? She's like, shh. And he just, he's like, okay. <laughs> he's been okay. through some trauma. Let's admit, the kid's been through some trauma. I'll give him a break. Oh, yeah, he's got some PTSD for sure. Yeah. I kept staring at Zelmar's little brooch thing, the horseshoe. Oh. Yeah? And the horse head. Is that a Godfather thing? I don't know. Not, not, not the horseshoe. Oh, yeah. uh, it's a horseshoe with a horse The fact that she's it. lucky and uh, she likes murdering people. Yeah. There were some moments where she was like over over him and it was very hunchy and it kind of had, you know, like silhouettes of the witch. That was Marissa brought that up and she had some really nice stuff in her email that I didn't get a chance to talk about yet. But um but yeah. I Satchel. Satchel man. Good old Mike. Good old Mike Milgan. I thought the weirdest part was that we get to see, you know, as we're kind of coming to a close here, her reading this like supposed book report. Right? Ethel Rita. Yeah. Ethel yeah. Rita reading this book report. We see all the stomping feet and we get the montage. And then, but then at the very end, she's like, this is my book report. But it's her, like, it's two of her voices in two different time frames. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think she graduated high school with honors because of her sweet book report. And she. Took a trip to Paris to continue her schooling. That's what the suitcases are about. All about. She's now she's in the actual museum where the real uh, Henri Renault painting is. Yeah. So she's sitting with that painting though, because that's clearly not in the uh, Loy's place anymore. So she either took it or she's. That's what I'm saying. I, I think it's the original painting. She she already mentioned oh, that no. Lois was a copy. I think no, I think I think she took his painting. You do? Yeah. Hmm. I think that's her souvenir because if we think about the idea that maybe she beheaded him and is the orchestrator of it, that was her that's her souvenir. She doesn't keep the drugs or that's her ooh, that's her possession just like she learned from from uh Orietta. She kept something from his. Okay. That's her trophy. That's her trophy, maybe. I like that. 
But then what of the suitcases? She's skipping town? Well, I mean, this could be, we don't know. That could be a, just a room at the Smutneys somewhere, or it could be her older in her own place. And here she is reminiscing on the story she's telling us, the history she's giving us, which maybe is or isn't completely true the way it went down, because his, she talks about histories being segregated and what are they really? And yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I could, I could watch this whole season again and try to figure it out, but I don't know. Might not be worth it at this point. It's worth it, Bill. And then, uh, and then I guess you know, and then we get the little uh, smash up afterwards to see good old Mike rolling down the rolling down the road with with his yeah. pal. So Mike is with Gail Kitchen because as yes. we, so this is after was it Wayne? No. Yeah, it was, was Wayne it? and Gail were the Kitchen Brothers from season two. Wayne got Wayne got smoked by uh, Hansi. Wayne got smoked by Hazi, got his throat slit, I think, mm-hmm. if I remember right, uh, in the woods, maybe. Sneak attack. Um, so that's Gale. So this is after Wayne's dead. So this is from season two, uh, episode nine, I believe, The Castle. Mm. Yes. Maybe. This is season two, episode nine, The Castle. That's where this exact shot is from. Um, But I will say, not the exact shot. It's actually a different camera angle. So we did get this camera angle in season two. um, But then in season two, it cuts to a lower camera angle in the back seat, uh, showing Mike Milligan doing his little gun tricks and whatever. But in this, we just stick to that, I guess, kind of wider shot. Um, yeah. So that's kind of interesting. We get to see we get to see that at a second angle all the way through this time. Um, so it's it's the same scene from season two, episode uh-huh. nine, the castle. It's just a a slightly new look at it, which is which I thought was pretty cool. So in that scene, he's thinking about um, he's thinking about Joe Bulo and his yep. severed head. Remember, he got the head in a box, and he was like. Touching his hair because Joe Bulo is all about his shampoo and whatnot. <laughs> um, so he's thinking about Joe Bulo's head in a box. He's also thinking about the brief relationship he had with the Gerhardt sister. So he's just mm-hmm. basically reminiscing as he's on his way to the final shootout in Fargo season two at the motel. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I like the little smile on his face. Mm-hmm. It's fun. All right, man. Overall notes. Got anything? I mean, I I just I will. I'm just gonna say it. Not my favorite season. That's all. I still think my favorite season is probably season two. Actually, what about I, you? I my favorite season is definitely season two. Um, but I gotta give this season a little bit of credit. I think there's a lot more than meets the eye, especially. Listening to this podcast, you kind of know that there's a lot of layers. There's a lot going on. There's a lot to pay attention to. And I think a lot of people are going to miss that out if they don't listen to podcasts like these that really Mm. dive into some of this deep stuff, kind of examine the layers, look at the background stuff, look at the references. I think there's there's so much going on. There's so much to be had that I think can easily get missed. So at face value, if you're just kind of watching it casually while you're making dinner and doing something else, yeah, maybe not. Maybe it's just worth having on. But if you really dive right. into it, there's a lot there. Um, and, I'm, and I'm just kind of uh, afraid people kind of miss that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, I think, and that's the tough part. I mean, not everybody has to watch shows like this, and not every show, you know, many mm-hmm. shows can be watched both ways. You you don't have to go uh, on the deep dive all the time. But I could imagine also, you know, the bar in television has been continually raised, I think. That's true. You know, and we're also in a highly critical period. Like, we're critical, 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 critical all the time. It's hard to not be. It's just, we're ch- I mean, we can't even have a Facebook conversation without half the people getting enraged or, um, or reading a news story or, you know, I mean, whatever you want to talk about. Every, it's just, it's, everything's divided, you know? So even when we try to talk about escapist things like watching TV and film, we still can't get along. <laughs> it's true. And they pulled this off in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, that pandemic yes. hit while we're in production. So Mm-hmm. You got to give some people some credit there too, man. I mean, that's got to be difficult. Hard. It makes everything more difficult. Every yes. little work is better when you're in the same room with people creating the work. Yes. Um when you're doing the remote thing, I know we're all a lot of us are remote right now and for the essential people that aren't able to do that, uh mad respect to you. Uh, yep. But here's the deal. Work is better when you are together. It just is. I've never been a huge proponent of working remotely. We have to do it now. We're getting better at it, but it's just, it's not the same. Mm, mm. And I can't imagine trying to pull something off this, something like this off where there's so many little details, so many pieces need to come together and everybody's in their own little cave um, trying to make it happen. And then also not when you're in actual production, shooting scenes and having to do social distance and get all the precautions in like hats off to you guys. Thank you for doing it. Thank you for finishing the season. They didn't have to do that. They could have postponed till next year. I mean, a lot of things could have happened like that. There's, there's a lot of stuff getting pushed off and I think they did. a. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I say it's not my favorite, it doesn't mean I don't like it. It just means I have seasons. I liked, have liked better. Um, I, I do think they tried to cram a lot, but I think this season was the season they attempted to tackle probably the most complex issues. They oh, strayed yeah. away from some of our normal things. There isn't the, it's always about the good cop and the bad criminal. And now it, the, the lines are blurred. We're seeing different you know things on or different reflection. We're seeing different histories. We're being told things from other perspectives. Um, so for that, I, I can imagine it's feels a little different for a lot of people. But um, per the usual, beautifully shot, wonderfully edited. Uh, I feel like every season Jeff Russo gets a little better at doing this. Plus, he's, this is the only show he works on. And I think the music selections were, were great this year, too. I mean, gosh, for some reason, that the lyrics of that Johnny Cash song that opened the episode were just so great. So mm. great. But I don't know, man. Overall, I'm happy. And I'm glad we Me did too. the podcast, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. And we don't know if we're going to be back for another season, but we'll be up to something else, and we'll post here if we do something else. <laughs> yeah, if we do something else, we'll let you know. You know where to find us. We're online as well, but uh, stay tuned. I mean, I, I, do, I did put out a couple notes to some people trying to see if we could maybe still throw in a couple special episodes, because uh, any understanding we can, and insight into the show we can get later from any people, we'll... we'll We'll have a talk on it and we'll put it out for you guys. So, and some of you might be, you know what? Someone might be listening to this and we're still in 2020. Almost. Somebody might be listening to this in 2023. I hope everything's going great. Hope you're yeah, well. Thank I you hope for listening. We're alive. <laughs> uh, and uh, 
I don't know, Sharpie, are we missing anything? Uh, thank you so much to the people who sent in all sorts of stuff all oh, season yes. long. Oh, yes, big thanks to everyone that sent in to the mail bag. Yeah, and uh, there's, you know what? Here's the other deal. There's other podcasts out there. If this isn't floating your boat or hasn't, go try it. Go watch the show again and listen to another one. Maybe they have completely different insights than we do, and, and that's fine. That's totally cool. All right, man, I'm off to see the wizard. There's no place like home. Later, Sharpie. Later. You got any Bennies, Zoomers, a little chicken powder? You know, something to pick me up. I've had a world-class day.